This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, April 12, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. Under the guise of going after sex traffickers, the president has signed a law to go after websites and other online platforms where sex workers and their customers are likely to get together. Problem is, just about any online platform that provides free and open discussion allows for exactly this kind of commerce. Elizabeth Nolan Brown writes about these subjects at Reason Magazine. We spoke yesterday. Backpage.com. Describe what that is. Uh, Backpage is or was uh, until recently a online market, a website, an app, an online marketplace, much like Craigslist, that had different sections where people could post ads for services, for jobs that they were offering. Um, it had, you know, all, all your typical sections. And it also had an adult services section, which had different categories, including things like strippers and strip clubs and dominatrixes and fetish and people who just wanted to hook up, um, you know, for, for sort of kinky things and then also it had an escort section and that's the section that draws all of the uh the trouble that we're in right now now if you go to backpage.com now it says the site and affiliated websites have been seized as part of an enforcement action by the fbi the postal inspection service and the internal revenue service criminal investigation division with analytical assistance from the joint regional intelligence center uh why uh has this site been seized? So the site has been seized. Um, you know, it, when it was seized, they said that the charges were going to be out and then the court sealed them, but they finally then released them. Um, and then it, everyone had been speculating that it was going to be about sex trafficking. But the charges that they're actually charged with, it's a 92 count indictment. And they're charged with one count of conspiracy, uh, a couple dozen counts related to money laundering, and I think 50 some counts of violating the Travel Act which is a sort of uh, old-timey act that, provi- that prohibits using interstate commerce or mail to, um, to do certain illegal activities, and prostitution is one of those that falls under the purview of the Travel Act. So as far as you know, I mean, certainly Backpage is, is providing uh, facility or was preside- providing facility for people who may want to engage in sex work, either as a provider or a consumer. Um, and what, what what legal liability do they really have here? Yeah, so that's that's the issue. That's sort of um, the main issue here is that, you know, they, they provided a forum like, like many user-generated content forums where people could post ads and they prohibited, um, you know, illegal terms. They obviously prohibited anything that, you know, that's, that re- referred to sex trafficking, that referred to someone being forced or that referred to someone being underage. Um, they also, you know, prohibited any references to just uh, prostitution between adults, between consenting adults, um, even though... You know, that was sort of tacitly um, very obviously going on there or at least, you know, that but they um, they prohibited, you know, explicitly saying that you were exchanging sex or any sort of sexual services or activity for for money or for directly for compensation or anything like that. So there were various code words. And that's what sort of trips people up. People say, oh, that they were, you know, people, you know, they didn't let people say this. And then therefore they were trying to, you know, tacitly encourage, you know, trying to get by and let them post prostitution and sex trafficking without people knowing. But I mean, 
the, the bulk of that complaint is that they literally prohibited these terms, just like, you know, many, many sites, most sites out there explicitly say in their terms of service, you cannot, you know, advertise or talk about directly illegal activities. You cannot use these certain words to describe them, whatever. So that's what Backpage did. Um, a lot of people, you know, it, it got scapegoated after Craigslist uh, shut down its its adult section. It became the new sort of target of state prosecutors across the country and federal legislators. And they started really scapegoating it as, um, you know, a, a, an online brothel that was pen, the biggest peddler of child sex trafficking and all these very lurid and graphic and, um, you know, not true uh, details. Um, you know, Backpage has been very cooperative, actually, with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and with various um police departments around the country. Um, so police have used them both in terms of, you know, getting the information directly from Backpage when, when they subpoena it or when they ask, and also posting their own ads on Backpage to do stings. Police have found this very vic- um, valuable in finding victims of trafficking and finding people and punishing people who are, are perpetrating that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's not exactly the, it's definitely not the demon that people make it out to be. But Nonetheless, people have made it out to be that. And what they've been saying is that we need to get rid of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act in order to hold Backpage accountable for these alleged horrific crimes. Now, uh, the Senate uh, last month uh, passed the Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act, or I guess this was in this was in uh, uh, mid-March when they passed this. But the, the goal the goal with that uh, legislation is to allow some people to uh, seek remuneration from online platforms that do what? Yes, in part. Um, and the, the one you mentioned, uh, which the acronym is SESTA, there's another one, the um, Allow States and Victims to Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act, and known as FOSTA, and they were both sort of battling it out. They kind of uh, combined them, and the one that actually passed is, is called FOSTA. Um, so it passed, and it's expected to be signed by President Trump today. Um, it... it, it Amends Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which I just to, to, to be clear on what that is real quick, um, you know, it's a sort of foundational piece of law in the in the Internet we have today and the way that it's flourished and the way that businesses and free speech have been able to flourish. It says that a web platform or publisher will not be treated as the speaker of, co- of user-generated content. And that applies for all sorts of things. Um, it does not apply for federal laws, but it, apply, it means that they can't be sued. They can't be held in civil court liable, and they can't be held sued by um, or held criminally liable by state prosecutors for things that their users post. And so it's the law that protects, you know, if someone makes a threat in the comment section of a website, or if someone meets someone on a website and then ends up killing them, or if someone makes a terrorist threat on a website that ends up, you know, you can't hold the website accountable for those actions because that the users posted. So that's what Section 230 says in brief. And, um, you know, people keep trying to sue Backpage, uh, state prosecutors keep trying to, not sue, to, to charge Backpage. And they've been running into trouble every time they tried in federal court um, because they say, you know, Section 230 prohibits them from being found criminally liable if they didn't have any reason to know that this was going to lead to sex trafficking. Now, it's totally different if they were found to have knowingly facilitated sex trafficking and facilitated the advertising of sex trafficking. Um, Under a federal law that was passed in 2015, it's explicitly clear that anybody who does that uh, can be charged with sex trafficking and get a 15-year mandatory minimum sentence. So if there was any evidence of that, they could go after them with that. But um, 
you know, legislators didn't answer why we needed this now a new law, even though why that wouldn't, wouldn't work. They just said we need to get rid of Section 230 or we need to amend it. So I'm um, sorry, that's a very long way of saying that what this new law did is amend uh, Section 230 so that it doesn't apply where sex trafficking is concerned or where prostitution is concerned, um, prostitution that occurs between consenting adults. So anytime that any prostitution ads appear online, a website can be held liable by um, by either people who sue in civil court or by state prosecutors for that. Um, so that's the sort of the, the biggest thing that, that the new legislation does. As you noted, uh, that Craigslist essentially has just shut down its personals just entirely. Is that right? Yeah, because, you know, so... I'll get back to Backpage in one second, but, you know, a lot of people have said this is just to go after Backpage, but that's that's very false. And and part of it is that, you know, all of the things that they say that this would only target Backpage are happening on so many websites, because obviously any website where, you know, thousands or millions of users are posting, you know, things are posting tweets or are posting Facebook posts or are posting ads or are posting whatever everyday snaps, you know, that there's going to be some things that get through for illegal activity and knowing that they could be held liable for, for that. And, you know, Craigslist, yeah, just shut down its personal section entirely. There have been other um, websites that, that geared toward escorting and sex work that have shut down their U.S. operations entirely or blocked, you know, people accessing their sites from U.S. servers and things. So even though it's not even law yet, we're already seeing this, this you know, this huge fear and this huge chilling effect happening from of it. What? How does this change the relationship between creators of platforms and people who want to use them? I mean, any online platform that allows for relatively free and open communication can be used for this kind of uh, activity. How are people who own these kind of platforms uh, responding in terms of either policing their their the content on their sites or uh, locking certain people out? Yeah. So. Um there's definitely we're, we're already seeing them sort of because uh, sorry, just to go back to what you said, this can happen on all these sites. It does. I mean, I read all these different, you know, state and federal sex trafficking prosecutions, the court documents all the time. And the, the places where people end up meeting the people that end up being their their pimps or their customers or whatever, um, you know, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's Snapchat, it's Twitter, it's all different sorts of message board forums. It's just about any, yeah, any place you can think of where there's massive amounts of user generated content. And so, um, you know, under this now, if if they can be sued pretty much out of existence or they can be found very, very, very guilty in, in court, in state courts, they're they're just not taking any, um, you know, not taking any chances. To, to be clear, it's not people who post the ads themselves who will be found guilty under this federal law. It is people who facilitate or promote prostitution through dig, through the digital sphere. So that's a very vague term, too. I mean, um, that, that doesn't just necessarily, uh, you know— um, include ads that are directly advertising sort of some sort of sex work services, but that includes sort of anything that maybe, you know, treats prostitution or treats sex work in a positive light or advocates for advocates for decriminalization or, you know, advocate uh, advocates for reaching out to sex workers without trying to get them out of the business. All of that stuff could sort of fall under this vague purview of facilitating or promoting prostitution, not to mention the more direct things. So it's just such a wide range of content and the penalties are so severe that so many sites are already starting to, you know, shut down anything that yeah remotely could advertise that seem like a place would to be any 
of that could get through. Um, you know, they're they're taking all sorts of new, more heavy-handed moderation. And this is also in conjunction with, you know, um, new European privacy rules, with the Cloud Act that just passed, passed here. There's all sorts of things. And now even kind of with the Facebook stuff, it could get even scarier. But we're seeing all these sorts of ways where the government is really taking a, a really heavy-handed approach to regulating online speech. And companies are already starting to react by really clamping down on user speech. So uh, a friend of mine says that this uh, back page shutdown could be referred to as the Pimp Full Employment Act. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, exactly. Because, you know, obviously Backpage and similar online digital services allow um, allow women who are or, or people who are involved in sex work to take more control and to have more autonomy because they don't have to rely on someone to help them find customers. It's not a super tight, you know, they can actually reach out, they can screen customers so it's safer, but also they can find them themselves so they don't have to rely on third parties, they don't have to rely on pimps, they don't have to rely on, you know, street walking or things like that or uh, other sorts of um, less safe ways. And so so I've seen a lot of sex workers saying that. I mean, in general, they're just freaked out about how they're going to make money, how they're going to find customers. Um, if they're, you know, there's a lot of misunderstandings. So a lot of them are worried that they're going to get in trouble under this law. But also just that, yeah, they they have um, a lot harder time finding and screening customers now. And people have said, you know, uh, I saw someone say, you know, that three pimps had reached out to them, three old pimps, because they they'd primarily use Backpage. And when it closed, they were like, hey, we can help you find customers and stuff because it's it's exactly what has information technology accomplished for uh, sex workers in the United States? I mean, you talked about the, the being able to, you know, engage in being being safer with respect to uh, customers and and not necessarily having to put themselves out there in the sense that they're literally walking on the on the, on the street. But how has that information? How has that changed the nature of that employment? Yeah, I mean, I. It seems like it's totally revolutionized things. I mean, you'll you know, I know I know some women who have been doing this for for decades, and they talk about how you know it, it's it's a myth that you know before before internet ads that you know there was no way for for um, you know sex workers to take sort of control of their things. Obviously, the sort of more um, you know uh, white middle class high end ones were able to do that. They were able to post on the, the, the literal back pages of newspaper sections and work for these sort of high end escort agencies and do various things. So. That they were working this way, but what the uh, uh, advent, um, the advent of online advertising has done is really just sort of democratize that process so that it's so much easier and there's so much less barrier to entry. And so people who, you know, always did have to, the kind of sex workers who had no choice but to rely in the past on pimps or what we now call traffickers and, you know, and these, these exploitative, maybe they're not necessarily forced, but they're very exploitative. They take too much, you know, now for the first time with the advent of these very cheap or low cost, very low, um, you know, technological barrier to entry ways to advertise and get in touch with clients and screen them, they've really been able to take control of, of their work like never before. And so that's what's, I mean, that's what's the saddest about all of this is that these these two things that, you know, politicians are saying are going to make people more safe, are going to are going to make people less safe, both going to make sex workers less safe and also, you know, trafficking victims, the people that they're ostensibly, you know, trying to protect here. You mentioned uh, the back pages of newspapers, and I'm thinking, well, the sports pages have had ads that, uh, you know, fall with broadly within this category for a long time. Alt weeklies have yeah. often had a full page or more devoted to these, this kind of advertising. Does uh, the shutdown of Backpage and the sort of the reticence of, of Craigslist and other organizations that would otherwise be posting these ads, does it 
push that kind of advertising back to newspapers or are they going to they are they going to feel equally liable no. because it's not because the newspaper is not an online platform necessarily right and but i think they're actually even were sort of you know there's much stronger um pro- regulations around that and editorial controls around that and and it's expensive you know it's for all sorts of reasons it will not provide the same thing but you know michael lacy um and uh james larkin the the founders of backpage they are they were also the founders of or the co-founders of the village voice the you know famous new york alt weekly and so they you know and they that was you know like many alt weeklies very much funded on this back page and this uh, you know personal ads phone sex ads the back page advertising so you know when they started backpage online backpage.com it was with that sort of in mind and now they're they're two of the people who have been charged um in this new indictment that came out and i just want to make sure we we get back to that real quick because you know um as we've just sort of covered all these ways in which people have been saying that Backpage does all of these things, and they've tried in so many times in federal court to, to get them state prosecutors had. There was a massive, over a year-long Senate subcommittee investigation into them. And none of this, and none of this, have they been able to get them under the law that would allow them to be charged with sex trafficking if they had knowingly facilitated any of this. So these charges that they ended up Get it, uh, bringing right now against the back pages owners, the money laundering and the conspiracy and the travel act violations are the same thing we've seen them get all sorts of people um, involved in prostitution for before. Um, the rentboy.com, the large uh, gay site that was taken by, down by Homeland Security a few years ago. My Red Book, one in San Francisco, an escorting site that was taken down. There's been a lot of smaller ones. Um, so it's, it's, and then, you know, even before this, these are the same sorts of things they would get prostitution before internet advertising with. So, it's the same old, same old, which shows, you know, A, there's nothing uniquely new and horrible here going on with Backpage in terms of underage sex trafficking, and also that we didn't need to pass this new law in order to get them. I mean, I don't want to, you know, say 100% confidently. I've read almost everything there is about the Backpage documents. I don't think there's any evidence that they were knowingly trying to do this. But even if they were, you know, we still wouldn't need this law. Either way, we've seen from these indictments and these things that you don't need that to get people who are doing this, who are facilitating sex trafficking or prostitution. So it's sort of just been a massive um, trying to pull one over on, on, on all of us, I think, that, you know, because Congress has long wanted for all sorts of reasons to weaken Section 230 protections so that it has an opportunity to go after more and more speech online and more and more companies that it doesn't like and more and more viewpoints that it doesn't like. I think that's always been sort of the end game. And this is just uh, one really convenient way that they've been able to do that. And let's clarify when People in Congress and a lot of uh, advocacy groups talk about sex trafficking uh, as a category. Quite often, they're talking about people who are fully, uh, fully possessed themselves as adults who are engaged in sex work. Yes. I mean, yeah, it's so blurry. A lot of times, yeah, you never know if they're actually talking about people who are forced underage or if they're just talking about adults consensually engaging in sex work. It's very blurry when they talk about it. Elizabeth Nolan Brown is associate editor at Reason Magazine. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 